Um, everything after this is live, so you know. How long is the podcast? It's not gonna be long. Mm-hmm. A lot as long as you want it to be. Yeah. I don't right. know though. You might. Oh, you have that too. Yo, why does? Can I see actually before you? No, the 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 bracelet. That's the um. Von Cleef. Uh, and and the Lucia collection, right? That's what it's called, I think. Mm, I don't know why. This is not the real Van Cleef. This is uh, from uh, no. Dab- okay. <laughs> okay. There's yeah. a collection that they recently came out with. Oh, really? It's called the Andalusia collection. It's the Islamic Empire in Spain. Uh, Me and this guy went there and I see and I wanted it so bad. Not the bracelet, but they have the, other stuff like rings and stuff like that. It looks so cool. Yes. Um, but yeah it can be as long as you want it to be but inshallah is there anything you don't want us to talk about don't want us to touch on no, I'm all right. don't want us to stay away from I'm some not. people they got baby mama drama some people got <laughs> cases so we don't want to give people like i yeah. said we're not the breakfast club so it's all right it's all right uh, it's fine awesome all right um welcome back to ghost talk y'all it's your host Mohammed sharif i'm here with my co-host thunder and a very special guest today um i'm not gonna lie like i really i have a lot of questions for you I feel like this is one of the very few podcasts in which like I don't know a lot about you. We've never met before. No. I like your vibe. You're very cool, mashallah. Oh, um and when we when we met at Abdurrahman's premiere yeah, yeah. and Abdurrahman told me a little bit about you, I was like, "Yo, I want to interview her because she's just she seems so interesting, you know? I want to know more about her and like what she does, but not only that, here on Goats Talk, like the concept of our podcast is we interview goats, right? People who greatest of all time that mm. are achieving greatness, that are doing great things, but we also want to um, give our, our 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 viewers a sense of relatability, you know. And by doing that, um, the way we kind of do that is we trying to get to know the person. Just like it's not your you, your whole life isn't about your work. You're an individual yeah. as well. You know what I'm saying? Um, so we try to do that as well. Um, and inshallah, like we'll touch on that and we'll touch on a few other things. And um, hopefully, we'll get you out of here pretty quick. Inshallah. <laughs> um, we can start with you being an Arsenal fan, though. That's Oh. I, knew, I knew this is coming. It's always oh. going to be football. It's always going to be football. What did they, they say? What, what have America's been saying to you? Soccer? <laughs> so, no, it's not soccer. It's football. Oh, my goodness. No, yeah. It's about Arsenal. I'm from Manchester as well. And then when I say Arsenal, people like trigger that. That's, that's exactly how it went down right now. Oh, my God. Yeah. I'm Arsenal. a United fan. But there's context to why I'm an Arsenal fan. Oh, so many people are Arsenal fans. Damn near all of them. Yeah, but like... There's like a huge mass migration to the UK okay. around like 2000 and like two, 2003, 2004, okay. right? And that's like the golden era of us. Like it was like in the Prem, it was like the all black team. Okay. So obviously like it's a team that you can relate to that you see that like- That's winning. That's, 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 it was back accidents, that entire mm. lineup. So yeah, that's, I think that's why we're all supported. And of course my, all my brothers supported it. So I was like, yeah, I'm an Arsenal fan. I didn't know that. I really didn't know yeah. that. That's why. Um, Cause I had the like I need, I grew up in in Cedar. Everybody's an Arsenal fan. It's like a, that Cedar is like Somali Central. Everybody there is an Arsenal fan. And yeah, when Arsenal crazy. Man U would play, I would be just the one kid sitting there like I support. <laughs> Cause I'm a Ronaldo fan. That's how I, I grew up watching Ronaldo play for okay. Man U. You know what I mean? So yeah, I hear that. I hear that. I hear that. For me, it's just that's that's who I like. But that's I, that particular era. I yeah. That's that era that made us. And then you just got to stay loyal as Arsenal exactly. fan. Like, there's a level of loyalty that we had to just. Yo, I respect yeah. that though. Stick like, that. I was about to say soccer again. I was about to say soccer again. Don't, say, don't do it. Uh, football <laughs> fans have a level of loyalty that's like Absolutely. unmatched. I don't know. I'm Unless not going to lie. Fan. Oh, yeah. Yeah. City, 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 city city's like, is like the Brooklyn Nets. <laughs> I'm going to cancel for this. Uh oh. Because my own siblings are like, 
What do you, what one, do you of mean? Our, one of our brothers is a City fan, and I'm like, oh man, oh, man. Man, man, City, they're yeah. they're like Brooklyn Nets fans. Or Lakers fans. You know how like nobody's really a, a, a like Lakers a Lakers fan. Mm-hmm. It's just like yeah, yeah. It's just everybody's a Lakers it. fan in a way. That's kind of how it's like people just. I, I feel like it's a similar thing though with Lakers because it was like when they start winning, it was a time when, like, yeah, Lakers on, on their game, right? And then all of a sudden, everybody loved Kobe. All the fobs, they love Kobe, man. Kobe Bryant. That's that's the guy that's that they guy. support. That's your guy. Um, so you was a Lakers fan back in the day. Back in the day, everybody was. Everybody was. Except yeah. I, mean, I didn't like Kobe. I was a Celtics fan. He beat Kobe. They beat Co- um, Kobe. Finals. Beat them, and then Allah, I was upset. I didn't like the guy. I was 20, like, "Fuck that guy." Twenty ten finals. Yeah, like but, Boston. But you know what? I would. Ass- I assume that you guys don't watch football at all here. Oh no, like we do. Basketball, basketball, basketball. And then I realized actually the small community like are very much into their football. Yeah, regardless yeah. where they are in the world. See that all at Somali shops every day. The if you go yeah. to uh, a Somali shop or a Somali restaurant. On a Saturday morning, like six in the six a.m. Yeah, I was told you guys are watching it crazy hours. Yeah, y'all play like difference. exactly. Y'all mm. play in the afternoon, right? That's crazy. Folks are up six. Fajr to Kadan, they're at. You'll see like maybe a hundred folks. That's dope. Kudu fo pass pass And they're just I love that. Guys dropping in the group chat in the morning. Yeah, bro. Yo, y'all trying to watch the game? That's what they say. When is it? Five a.m. You lost me there, brother. <laughs> See, one of my friends that watches the NFL here, so he's watching okay. the crazy hours as well. Yeah. And I'm always like, why would you be up at that street for o'clock just watching the NFL? Yeah, it's not worth it. Um, this yeah. is your first time it's in the States. It's first time in the US. What, is, what has that experience been like? It's the ghetto. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm like to you. I feel like the US is, um, I, was, I think it's like the, it's like the bigger version of the US mm. in like every sense. Um, oh, sorry, the, the, UK. The, the UK, okay. So like, everything's just bigger. Everything is grander. Um, I think Minnesota, Minnesota, Minnesota is like interesting because you guys are very friendly here. Oh yeah. And I thought like, I'm from Manchester. I thought we were friendly, mm. but like nah, people are just unnecessarily. Well, friendly. Them, it's like creepy a little bit. It's literally yeah. it's it's like, creepy, it's like yeah. conversation everywhere. I go to the store. How you doing, man? Yeah. You having a good day? Da, da, da. And I'm like, why do you care about my business? Yeah. <laughs> um, oh. So it's it's something to get used to actually. How I'm many? Not. How many? How many? I love your accents. Have you gotten yet? Oh my god, all the time <laughs> to the point where I just don't want to speak. Yeah. I'm like. And then I say something. She's from London. She's like, from I'm London. Not. Oh no, I'm not. London's not the country. Yeah. <laughs> You're from Manchester. How far? It's like an hour drive, right? It's, I would say it's like um, it's like a four hour drive. Oh what, wow. like two hours on the train. Yikes. Wow. And then fl- a flight from London to Manchester is like sixty dollars. I bet sixty pounds. Some crazy shit. Fifty pounds. The uh, flights. People take trains. I don't really. I don't know. The flights like throughout Europe. Yeah. It's cheap. It's crazy. I mean, cheap. throughout Europe, but like within country, people just don't fly yeah. in the country that much. So I don't think it would be cheap. Yeah. I'd be down to do that. Just oh, take yeah. a train from country to country. I I yeah, I, I went to trains. I went to London. It's very 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 mm. like cheap in comparison. Yeah. Well, it's it's probably cheaper to fly actually. If I'm telling the truth. Yeah. It's much cheaper to fly. But like I've taken flights that cost like eight ten pounds. Yeah, train system though is oh. nice. Yeah. Yeah. I went to London. I would say I think last year June. Yeah, last year June, oh, nice. I loved it. I was it was it's just it's really nice. It's amazing, um, but I was mostly in like central central London. Uh, okay, okay, you know okay. what I mean? Nice yeah, the city it's, it's part. Like the gentrified areas, yeah, I nice do. I was a tourist. You know, I'm not gonna go to. I know what's happening. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to the ends now. I go to a place I want to be with the locals. 
I want to mm. see, see where the locals are. Maybe the next time I come, I'll go. <laughs> I was at the Tate Museum. I was. Oh, you went to the Tate? Yeah, yeah you were moving. Yeah, you were moving bougie. Yeah. I was you moving Caucasian love, a little I love, bit. I love, I love the it, was the other, it was the other way around for me because I went in 2018. Uh-huh. I was staying with family at the time. Nice. But I, I did not like it. Wait, what area did you stay in? Was it Edmonton? Edmonton. Oh, you were in Edmonton. See, that's how you do it. That's Ends? He experienced London. Mm-mm. I'm all right. Here, I know how to maneuver. Yeah, yeah, like you yeah, said yeah. earlier, you, you 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 like to deal with the devil, you know, or something like that, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, I know how to maneuver here. I know how to deal with people. Yeah, but it's the same thing for me. Like, yeah. like, oh, would you ever move to the US? It's like, nah, I, I wouldn't. I guess, so why, why would I move from one place to another? It's basically the same. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I guess, hey, yo, fam, where you from, blood? Something like that. Uh-uh, I'm okay. Nah, I'm telling you, like, there's this... this it's like false like misconception about like the U- the, the, the UK. London. Like, oh yeah, you're gonna get shot at. The, you're gonna get stabbed. Sorry. Yeah. You're not gonna get stabbed. Like yeah. if you're not about that road life, exactly. you're not involved in anything. Oh, nobody's yeah. gonna come near you. Nobody's gonna touch you. Like, mind your own business. People mind their own. You know what I mean? Like, there's it's all it's all it's all share culture. Yeah. yeah. It's it's you know? the same thing with with Minneapolis. I grew up in Minneapolis my whole life. Yeah. It's like when I tell people I'm from Cedar, from Minneapolis, it's the same concept. Oh my God. I, I tell, ghetto, ghetto. Ghetto. Yeah. I say, listen, if you just mind your business. Nothing's gonna happen to you. Nobody's gonna do anything to you. Yeah, exactly. I mean, what do they say? You from the hood? You from the hood? I'm like, it's really not. We live in the Midwest of America in Minnesota. Mm. We're okay. Nothing's really hood here. It's not like it's. No, actually, I think Minnesota's quite nice. Yeah, Yeah, Minnesota's. I think there's there's probably worse states I could have gone to. Oh yeah, oh yeah. You could have went to like Mississippi. Mississippi. Yeah. Mississippi. I don't think that's you. You you wouldn't even understand the people down there. Maybe it's feminism, but. I don't, I don't even understand what they're saying. I think that's going to be on the anyway south. Haga, like yeah, Haga. slowly, slowly. Let me. Work they're myself. the sweetest people, though. They have the you know, most hospitality out of all of America. Yeah, are they like? Are they sweet? Because it's like it's like the get out nice, you know? Like no, actually, like you should be worried. No, wallahi, they're, you know what? They <laughs> for them, it's <laughs> everything Canadians, is. Canadians, Canadians have the best yeah, best Canadians have that get out yeah. nice. But for the Southerners, everything is like that. Everything is just straight. If they hate you, they hate you. They will tell you like, mm. yo. I don't like you. But you know what? This is what, I was, this is what I was saying about you lot. I think I think like a lot of like people here are just nice for the sake of being nice. Minnesota, yes. Yeah. What a way, They're gonna smile at you. Go around the corner, call the police. Oh, there's a black guy standing <laughs> here. Um, he's threatening. Well, lie. Yeah, yeah. Southerners, Southerners, the South is not like, like that. Yeah, but this is this is what I mean. I'd much rather deal with the devil I know because yeah, in the U in the UK, it's like that. It's like no, not really. Like mm. if they don't like you, they don't like you. They'll meet you. Okay. I'm like cool. I know where we stand, my G. Yeah, that's, <laughs> Keep the, <it> that's <laughs> how it is. Well, lie. I'm glad that you're enjoying your time uh, yeah, here. It's been fun. I've enjoyed it. Um, I've definitely enjoyed it. Yeah, you're. I'm glad you didn't come in the winter. The winters are really getting. I was born in Sweden. Treacherous. I was born in Sweden, so I know snow. We have snow. Okay, Mm -hmm. I'm not saying we have like Minnesota snow. We probably don't because I've seen some videos. But we have snow. I grew up in snow, so I know snow. But I just hate the cold. Yeah, it's not it. So I would never travel to anywhere colder than where I already am. Mm -hmm. Allah, it's not it. Um, So you said you were born anywhere else in the world. Where? Anyway, there's nowhere else cold than Antarctica. Yeah, Minnesota. Like certain times of the year, Minnesota. Minnesota is the worst. Like it's the coldest place. Really, even worse than like Canada because I know Canada get like. We're talking about negative fifty wind chill, negative thirty five wind chill. Like it's insane. Yeah, people's cars don't start. Yeah. It hasn't been that bad the past few years. We've been getting a lot of snow. Uh, I think this year, this year, uh, this year's winter was like. Court as one of the worst. Yeah. Because we we yeah. get snow. Like we we've been getting more and more snow. So I can only imagine it's getting worse for you lot. Yeah. 
It's bad. So yeah, you said you were you were born in Sweden. So tell me a little bit about like just your upbringing, Sweden. like your, so you're Swedish, like Swedish Somali. I was uh, <laughs> tried it. <laughs> but tell no, me a little was, bit about I was, that. I was like born in Sweden. What was, was that like? So you were born in Sweden, then yeah. did you move to the UK afterwards? Yeah, or? I did, I did. So I was born in Sweden, um, and then I moved to the well. I didn't mean my parents just made that decision for us. Mm-hmm. Um, moved to the UK like when I was nine years old. So I kind of grew up in the UK. Like I'm, I'm a Brit. Yeah, I'm not really yeah. Swedish. Um, I just have their passport. That's nice. <laughs> and I've been back and forth a few times. Like in, I don't really claim Sweden like that. Yeah. Especially those Somali Swedes back right. there. You mean? Know, hey, sh- shout out to the Somali Swedes. Though. I love that. It's all love. It's all, all love. love. I'm kidding. Yeah. No, 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 I'm joking. Um, but yeah, I came to the UK and like kind of grew up there. So that's where I went to like primary school, high school. I think I think you guys don't call it primary school, right? Um, kind of like elementary, elementary school. Elementary, yeah, it's yeah. primary school. And then I went to high school. Um, and then college and the university. So like, yeah, my like my my like formative years was in the UK. So that's so I call myself more of a British Somali than mm. a Swedish Somali. I think you're the first Brit we've had on the show. Yeah, hey. we've, we've never had it. Yeah, so representing all of the shout UK. Out, shout out, okay. to, shout out to you. Um, <laughs> I love but, that. So for us, like, of course, like school and and that upbringing and that experience that we've had is a mm. is a formative part of our upbringing yeah, was it the same would you say it's the same in the uk and what was that experience like as well yeah. like is there a lot of somalis in your school is that an experience that you've had because here in minnesota there's somali schools where like we have only somali people that go to the school with us you know those, some of the teachers are done but oh, yeah awesome. yeah ours like no. i'm i'm serious like maybe, maybe one autumn or one autumn, yeah but they're all somali like there's no white people crazy and then some people decide to go to high schools who are which are like you went to a high school that was all somali like but what i'm saying predominantly we're saying all somali all like, like 99 percent yeah that's insane the principal somali the director was, so cool. was that experience the same no for you in the UK? okay absolutely no that's so cool okay first of all we don't have like huge concentrated of somali communities in the same way that you guys do yeah you guys are kind um, of spread out yeah it's not the fact that we spread out it's the fact that like there isn't enough of us to be able to fill out a school in that way anyways. Um, and then at the same time, yeah, we are spread out. Like for me, when I, so we moved to, my parents made a decision to move to a, a small town called Bolton outside of Manchester. Mm-hmm. And the area that we lived in was like a very Adan area, yeah. right? So when I first moved to the area, I remember me and my siblings, we hated it because it was just all Adans. And we went to the school and it was like, so I went from Sweden where predominantly most people in my class, right? <laughs> were Timujalas, Arabs. Timujalas like, are, are Indians, right? Indians. <laughs> <laughs> you guys don't say Timujalas, do you? What do you guys say? Oh, you, know, yeah. you know what's fucking hilarious is my my sister's best friend told me that today. Not today, like yesterday. She's Wait, like, what do, you, what, do you guys, what do you guys say? We, there's not a lot of them here, that's why. Oh, that's there's not true. a lot of them here. Yeah, yeah I, when I went to okay. India and Canada, there's a lot. India and Canada, there's a lot of... of it's funny because like, they're different. But they call them Timujalas. Timujalas are Asians and then like, but it's honest Arabs. Oh, Asians? Asians? India are Kwanah. In the other, yeah, that was that was a little bit problematic. Arabs, you call it what? Brisona. Brisona. I'm not gonna I'm gonna Brisona. My favorite is I don't make the terms. Yeah, I don't you make just, the terms. I just, just stick with them. Yeah, I just stick with them. Yep. But like, um, that's actually hilarious. I didn't even think of that. Yeah. Because you guys don't have. What, what do you guys nicknames other communities? Yeah. No, like we're not gonna. We're, you see, he's yeah, trying to get us. Yeah, he's trying to get us in trouble. 
We're going to do this. We're going to talk about it later. You want to say it? You can say it. I don't care. I'm going to say it. So, what's the other? No, 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 no. Don't say anything. Don't say anything. Don't say anything. This is the young lady. She works with the UN. We don't want to get her in trouble. Anywho. We'll tell you after, though. But It's all love. Yeah. We do, yes. Here in Minnesota, too, the prominent communities here, we don't have a lot of, like, Indians and stuff like that. But we have other... You have Arabs, demographics, right? not really. Well, yeah. Mexican, yeah. Would you say Arab? Arab? Oh. Yeah, yeah. So what's the other like? Um, there's a lot of Mexicans. There's a lot of Mexican Native Americans. There's a lot of Native. Of course, um, there's Hmong. There's a lot of Hmong. There's a lot of like yeah. Tibetan. Well, it's just mostly us. We're the minority here. Mention like a high school, you feel me? So. I don't know about that. Yeah. Well, I heard a question in Minnesota. I mean, especially. I would say we do. I'm yeah, not gonna so lie. Minnesota is is very very predominantly like Somalia. Yeah, I, I feel the presence when yeah. I'm walking around. So you guys have a lot of those kind of demographics there. And yeah. Then. So we have. So we had. We have. Um. So in Sweden, I'm talking about by the mm-hmm. way, right? So it was like in my class, there was like Arabs, there was um, um, Ethiopians, Eritreans. It was just like it was a very mixed class, and loads of Somalis. Where yeah. I grew up in Sweden, right? And then I came to the UK, and then my class are done. Oh. Just all are done. Right, and I'm like literally the only black person in the room. Wow! So it was like a crazy, like weird, especially because when I came to visit my family the year before, before we moved, I went to like my family lived somewhere in like North London, and I, I saw loads of Somalis. So I thought to myself, I'm just gonna be come to a place that looks like like similar to like mm-hmm. where I came from, right? Yeah. Nah, it was completely different. My dad had other things in mind. So I remember the, my first thing was like, how am I ever gonna? assimilate like even like mm. blend into this environment um but that area was so racist we ended up moving from it because i remember um we had these like really racist neighbors and they wow. like would break my dad's like um car windows no they would throw eggs on our window like they were just they just hated us wow. and they weren't even like like middle class like white people they were just like they just they were just racist white yeah. people, you know what i mean it was like yeah. a very it was a deprived area and they just were angry that a black face kind of moved into that street so it would just give us hell like consistently. Wow. Yeah. So that was like my like welcome to the UK. Yeah. So me and my siblings were like, yeah, we hate this place. We want to go back to Sweden. Like mm. immediately. Like we want to go back to Sweden. We want to go back to Sweden. We want to go back to Sweden. Consistently in my mom's case. Um, until like she was like, tough luck, you ain't going back to Sweden. Yeah. Because my <laughs> thing is my mom and her siblings, like they move in, in teams. Like yeah. everybody went from Sweden to the UK. That's a lot of Somali folks too. They want to be around family, which yeah. is important. It's good. They, yeah, 100%. We, we built communities yeah. in, that, in that way. Innit? And also I think that there was a whole thing of like, um, there was a stronger Muslim community in, in the UK. Mm, and that was the reason my mom wanted to, yeah. to move. She wanted us to be able to go to Duxi, learn the Quran, be able to like, you know, like experience like a Muslim, a strong Muslim community. Because I think the the community in Sweden is a little bit different mm-hmm. to the one in the UK. The, the UK is seen as a more conservative community. And so like, I guess we we had to get past it. We had to, the, but then I, my dad decided to like move us completely from a di- to a different area. And when we moved to the new area, it was then it was just Asians, like mm. predominantly Asians in my school and a few black people, a few Adan people, but predominantly Asians area, but it was like Muslims, you know what I mean? So it was like, it was easier to navigate because you can, you can, you can, there's of course going to be racism, mm, right? Like yeah. there's a level of like racism that happens, but I would, I'd, I'd much rather deal with that. Yeah. You know, like it was, it was easy to navigate that because we were all Muslims at the end of the day, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So, um, but that was an interesting thing to navigate, but I like, and then you, college was completely different because like college, 
like the way we so our college isn't actually college college for you, you guys. guys have like form it's like your a or junior and senior year a levels is that yeah, what it's called it's yeah. yeah it's like your junior senior year so mm-hmm. like so when i so that's that's a different thing to us we either go to sixth form we go to college right mm-hmm. and i went to sixth form and that was predominantly like so what's what's that what's sixth form so it's like my, when i was doing my a levels okay to go to university yeah so i did like so you pick particular courses like what you're gonna essentially like major in mm-hmm. and that helps you like what you're gonna do with in university pick it's like figuring out what you want to do for the rest of your life and like doing the prerequisites to for, get for you that yeah, yeah yeah um yeah basically don't have generals you go straight into yeah so what if you don't know what you want to do with your life i mean this is this is this was me like i didn't have any clue what i wanted to do with my life and okay. i don't think i still do okay <laughs> i think that's the honest truth um i think I, that's the best though yeah i, I, think, I, don't, I, I think i think um i remember when i was in when i was um in college picking my a levels and my dad was on my case like he was like um that was like big on education that was his, mm. his one thing he's like i don't care what you do in life as yeah. long as like you put your head down i mean that's also my and parents like, so but like he was like a yeah, when yeah. I say educator like he would sit down with a book okay and a white, had a white we had a room with a whiteboard <laughs> and books and like he would teach us I'm himself sure. he would sit down with me like he would like i would do like um when i would do my homework my essays he would go and like look over it he'd go study things like when i was doing psychology at a levels my dad my dad was a pilot like but he would study psychology so he could study with me wow and make sure that i'm on, on game so like when i see my dad I was like a, okay this is a little was, bit different on a different level he was yeah always on our case um and so I, I took I had to take education series by force. Yeah. But then when it came to like picking university, he wanted me to do medicine. Mm. And I knew I did not want to do sciences. I was like, it's not for me. I don't like sciences. I like maths. I loved maths. So I was like, how can I convince him otherwise? Yeah. Like looking at like like doing the basic thing of like how do how do I make loads of money? Yeah. Right? Like all of us as like the children of migrants, like I've seen our parents go through like struggle, right? Mm-hmm. We want to be able to put them out of that struggle. So in my head, like I just wanted to go to university and get a job that's gonna make me like top dollar. Like how yeah. do I make so much money that my parents can live comfortable, retire, enjoy life, yeah. go back to Somalia if they want to, whatever they want to do. Just bash up. Exactly. That was my priority, right? Mm-hmm. So I did accounting and finance. That's what I did. I went to university, did finance. Um, so you went to school for accounting yeah, and, and finance. Wow. I did and finance. Okay. And um, it was when I was at university that I started getting involved in like campaigning. Mm. And like I was like, oh shit! Like actually, maybe 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 money ain't maybe maybe making money in like accounting isn't like what I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah. Maybe I'm supposed to be doing something more meaningful, so, more important. Not to cut you off, sorry, but campaigning like is it? What is that? What is that for? Like, could you? Um, like campaigning as in like yeah is it at, did you say at where you started your advocacy work um, yeah. or are you talking about like campaigning for like politicians or no it was more like advocacy work okay um, but like like it was, it was on like campus level okay so I started doing like little things on campus and I was like oh this is this is like kind of like bringing people together behind a cause and then like achieving the goals that we set out to do and then yeah. like, oh damn okay we, we did something here like maybe we could do something different maybe we could do something more maybe we could do something more impactful and it just it went from like small changes to like being impacting like bigger things on campus and off campus and working locally like with the, the councils mm-hmm. and then working like across universities so it was just like it just escalated and escalated for me so i was just like okay okay i feel i feel like this is this is more on my calling than it, i am like doing accounts for the rest yeah, of my life. Yeah, yeah. So then, um, that's amazing. Uh, I really want to get into that, right? And the work that you do um, and the capacity that you work in. So what was that transition like? Um, first off, before we jump into that, um, if you don't mind sharing, because a lot of people, 
especially that come from our community, when they do make a transition like that, the family and the parents and, and the, the relationship uh, that you guys have and the communication, it's kind of hard. It's kind of yeah, difficult. You know what I mean? So how did you navigate that? Like, what was that? What was that experience? Like, if you don't mind sharing. Nah, it's, you know, it's difficult because when you go into something that like, um, I think contextually, like one of the first things that I was involved in was around, um, was a campaign on FGM. Okay. Right. Yeah. And it's a, it's an issue that affects our community directly. Oh, very much. So, so. It, and it was with the oh, a what's, what's F, FGM. FGM. Female genital mutilation. Oh. Yeah. So <laughs> it's something that you said. Oh. Yeah. It's something you can touch on it more too, but it's something that happens a lot in Somalia, especially yeah. in in East Africa, and um, it's 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 very brutal and it's a very mm -hmm. sad thing. Um, but you could touch on it. You can talk about it more. Yeah. I mean, I I don't want to necessarily go into the subject itself. Yeah. 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 But. I was that was like the first kind of like campaign thing that I was involved in, mm -hmm. and it was with a local organization like in in where I, where I was living where I was growing up, and I remember like it was the first time I'd heard of it, mm -hmm. right? And as and then I remember like I used to live my grandma used to live with us, and I was like this naive little girl. And I go to my little I go to my grandma and I'm like, hey, like if 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 we were in Somalia, like would I have an FGM done? And she's like, yeah, of course. And I looked uh -huh. at her and I'm like, how does somebody that loves me right this much like willing to hurt me in that way and then and and it was like understanding actually what it means like the cultural significance behind yeah. something right yeah and then i think i took that with me because i understood when we make policies right when we do campaigns when we when we're involved in like making systemic change there needs to be like a, a deeper understanding of like how things how it affects communities mm -hmm. right so like F let's take FGM as an example, right? Yeah. Like it's it's something that is so barbaric. Mm -hmm. It is it is um it it takes away from a woman in in a, in a way that you can never give back, right? Yeah. But at the same time, it's done with love, mm -hmm. right? And those things make no sense, right? Yeah. When you put it when you put it together. But actually, if you've grown up in a cultural environment where this is the set norm, right, and you don't know any better, right? Mm -hmm. But then a regulations come in by somebody that doesn't even understand that world, and it criminalizes you, right? It yeah. puts you in a position where you feel like your coach has been taken away from you and then mm -hmm. you retreat, right? Or you push back. Exactly. Yeah. And so it was, it, it's to me, like when I, when I work in like campaigning or policy, it's actually understanding like, what's the human story behind what we're doing yeah. and why we're doing it. Yeah. And, I, I, and I took that away with me because I remember um, like working with like politicians and, mm -hmm. and, and like these, these people that had no idea what FGM, to them it was like they, these Somalis were barbaric. Like yeah. these, these people of color that are doing this to their communities are barbaric, but actually like it was understanding that like, no, it is something that's become, that's been made a cultural norm, right? And it has like, like it has, it has very sexist roots, right? Mm -hmm. that is, it's not, it's, it has nothing to do with Islam. Mm -hmm. It has nothing to do with like um, our culture as like our actual culture, right? It's just something that has like been passed down again and again and again and again to the point where if I grew up in Somalia, right, mm -hmm. and I wasn't mu like mutilated in that way, then I would struggle to find a husband. I would yeah. struggle because I would be seen as less than, right? And when that's ingrained in you, right, of course you're not gonna think mm -hmm. anything else, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So it was, to me, like a, lo a lot of the work that I'm involved in, like I was like, actually, they're all missing like the human aspect of like how it, and that's why policy impacts us by the way, terribly, because we're not involved in like how it's written and how um, like nobody really thinks about us and how it impacts us, right? Mm -hmm. Because we're not on the table. We're not, yeah. we, don't, we don't have these conversations. And um, and I think that was like one of the reasons I realized, okay, you know what? Like, I feel like I could make a difference here, 
mm. right? By 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 kind of like bringing together the human aspect and like the human element of like um, regulations and policies and how they affect us and how they impact us. Um, but like that was the first, and then I started doing work on like social justice, um, like on 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 like so I did like a lot of work on like diversity and like race, um, and then I moved on and, and was doing some work specifically. Um, why did I blank out? Um, the work that you were doing, you were doing work yeah, before. Before I did, <laughs> you were doing work. Yeah, I've just repeated the exact. The work you were doing. <laughs> the I was definitely doing work. I was doing something. Now I'm trying to remember. You were trying to tell us how you got from the college days, and then you went. You were doing yeah, work, the, the the race work, and with different ethnic ca- groups. Counterterrorism policy. There you that go. That was what I was doing. You already knew. Um, so yeah, it was. So then we got in, when I was at universities. There was a counterterrorism policy that came out that um, basically. It's called the prevent policy, right? Mm-hmm. And I think you guys have it to a certain like, CVE. Yeah, it? we have, you guys have we it to had a it. Yeah, here. they changed the name, and they're trying to like jug yeah, and finesse they're doing it. The same but thing yeah, yeah, but like it was to the point where like academics had to monitor students. Mm-hmm. It's right? exact, the exact, exact same, same thing. thing. Yeah, um, and we ran campaigns around that policy and da 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 da, and um, and it just shifted from everything to something to something. And then um, I remember we were involved in like. I was involved in like some campaigns on campuses where like black students were like targeted or like mm-hmm. attacked or or like suspended for 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 for, for wrong reasons, um, and then it kind of came full circle because then I was elected as a vice president of the, of, of the National Union of Students, which is like an organisation that represents all students in the UK, and in that role I had to work in sustainability, right, wow. and I didn't care for sustainability. <laughs> I was like, I mean, I care for like so, like environmental, yeah, environmental, environmental stuff. I didn't okay, care. honestly, yeah. at that point, um, and this is like back, it's like almost like seven years ago. Mm-hmm. I genuinely was like, it's, I know this is my job, and I have to like, like line manage this this team, mm-hmm. but I couldn't care less for the work that they were doing because they were genuinely talking about like plastic straws, yeah. turtles, <laughs> polar bears, planting. They had like a whole program. Yeah, save the turtles planting, about planting trees yeah. on campuses. Yeah, it's like these people don't care. Like the way the uh, the the climate like crisis affects us, like they don't care for. Yeah, right? it's, it's on a different level than than the conversation that's held exactly. most of the time. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I came in with like a very ignorant mindset from the mm-hmm. job. I was like, I don't want to work with this. I, I'll I'll just sign off on whatever I need to sign off on, but I'm, I'd much rather do more important work, mm-hmm. right? And I, and I remember I um, was on a panel with this guy called Asad Rahman, and he was talking, right? And this is talking like, do you know like when somebody like, somebody's talking sense. Yeah. They're just sat there like, They're spitting. Yeah. 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 He was spitting fire and he was just like, in my mind, he was connecting all these social issues that I've been working on all my life, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. That I care about with like environmentalism, mm, right? Wow. And he was like, and, and it was just like, actually all of it so linked. And I was just an idiot for not, re- not that I was an idiot, but I was, I was- um, You were ignorant, like never, you didn't know. No, it, it's the story was never told to me okay, in the right way. Okay. And that's the best way to put it, yeah, right? Yeah. And I kind of like, I felt like I, t- I took that on, like literally, I remember after that panel, I really took that on. I was like, how do I tell stories in the way that it was told to me so other people can understand it in that same way? Wow. So, and it kind of just balled into like- So can I ask, what is, the, what is the intersection between between all of these other issues that we are dealing with here in the States as well, like race inequality, um, economic inequality, counterterrorism issues where like the Somali community is being targeted. Mm. Um, all these the kind of different things. How do they? Was was what is their intersection with the environment? Environmentalism. Could you could you touch on that a little it's your bit? Your favorite word. What? Capitalism. 
Oh, okay. <laughs> it really, it truly is. Because I think um, when we understand like what capitalism is, right, it is very root. It's um, essentially a system that puts profits over people, mm-hmm. right? And that in every sense. So when we talk about like the like the death of black bodies, yeah. right? Whether it's because of like environmental crises, whether it's because of like um, the cost of living crisis, like mm-hmm. it is because we're we're choosing whose lives are more significant than others, uh, right? Depending and, on their economic value. Yeah, exactly. Uh. And so and 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 so that's that's exactly what systems are. So it like it kind of just connects everything together. So like when we look at um, I feel like COVID, right? Mm-hmm. And like how you had people, the front people on the front lines, right? What we do, like clapping for them. Yeah. In the UK, we were applauding them. I don't know if you, yeah. what you guys were doing. But like Bare- they we were, were barely doing that. I ain't gonna lie. But like they were literally like m- mostly people from low income backgrounds. Oh, yeah. Pe- the people that were on the front lines were people from black and brown communities, right? They the ones. I think you guys call them. Um, what, what do you guys? Bi- BIPOC. BIPOC, yeah. BIPOC, yeah, yeah. yeah. Don't say that. We say BMA. It's a whole other political conversations in itself. BMA. BMA. What does that stand for? Black and minority ethnics. Okay. Or black Asian minority ethnics, which is BIPOC. I don't even know what it stands for. Black indigenous, black people, indigenous of color. people of color. There yeah. you go. BIPOC. Yeah. BIPOC. We don't have indi- we don't have indigenous people, so we don't yeah. we use BIPOC. We use we use POC. People of, of pop. Peop, is yeah. that people of color or something yeah. like that? Yeah, all of it is just. But it's all it's all disputed. Yeah, it's all disputed language. Yeah, yeah. But um, but yeah, it was it's it's consistently black and brown bodies are the forefront that are the first to die, that are the first to be impacted. Um, you know, what, yesterday I went to see the George Floyd George Floyd yeah, memorial. Yeah. Um, and and like that to me was like, subhanallah, like a very emotional like kind of reliving 2020 like because mm. because i remember um george floyd's protest it, it's triggered also like the the campaigns of like all other black deaths at the hands of police in the uk mm-hmm. um it triggered also like just deaths that have been neglected or hidden or like you know by the police specifically shukri abdi's death yeah, right i remember that Which is a oh campaign my that God. i was involved in myself wow. um and that is still ongoing. Like the family still don't have justice till this day. And, and it's going to be, and it's one of those things that like, actually we have to continue to tell these stories. And like one of the things I found really significant as I was walking around is that like, like there is no forgetting what yeah, happened there yeah. at all. Every corner that you turn, everything is like, it's the stories told in different ways again and again and again, whether it's the markers on the floor, whether it's stories like names written on the walls, whether like, it's it's just, the st- it's, there's no forgetting what happened there. Mm-hmm. And that's important. I think I think one of the things that we like, we don't do enough is to continue to like, to tell stories about communities and how they've been impacted. But yeah, yeah. it was, to me, it was just seeing it, it was like, it brought me back to like 2020 and the protests and like being on the streets. Cause I think we all were in different ways in different mm-hmm. places. Absolutely. And I think <clears throat> that was a very transformative time, not only yeah. for, for Minnesota and Minneapolis, but like for the whole world as well. And a lot of people, um, it was like during a time where people were vulnerable and people were scared because of COVID. Yeah. Um, and back to what you were saying about capitalism, I know that like like one of the biggest recent examples is the fire that happened at, is it Grenfell? Was Grenfell. That was, Grenfell. Yeah, the Grenfell Tower. Like that's, I think is the most... Of course, there's probably a lot more like nuanced and like specific, but that's like something that over here in America, even we've heard about and mm. and are reading about. And like that in itself is like a shining example of like how a government can choose uh, other folks over these black and brown people because of the fact that, oh, you guys are less less than, you know what I mean? Yeah, and it's, and it comes all the way down to just simply their safety and, and, and looking out for them. That was a very, 
um, unfortunate thing. But that's that's a great way to look at it. The fact that capitalism is truly the intersection between yeah, um, between I all think of people this stuff. People don't realize like so like. Um, I think one of the, my favorite things to mention, like at conferences, is that like when we talk about the carbon footprint, right? We yeah. talk about like, oh yeah, how much emission are you putting out into the world? And mm-hmm. like, I hate you know, that. Like, I know exactly where you're going with oh, this. Oh, you're taking flights. Da, 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 da. Mm. Actually, um, the the whole concept of the carbon footprint was like um, was coined and pushed by like the oil companies, mm. by BP, by Shell. So, and it was a it was a smart initiative to put. Um, the blame on the on the on the consumer because yeah. they were like they were like oh shit we're like we're we're causing a huge problem emissions here yeah. like how do we shift blame mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and they basically tactfully and very successfully by the way yeah. put the blame on individuals where people can look at themselves and be like oh like let's forget about these hundred companies that are emitting like ninety two percent into the world right yeah but that's like but what are you doing to save the planet are you recycling you know what i mean yeah and like and to the point where like it's almost judgmental it's like oh yeah i'm vegan Mm. i'm i'm like but you're not a problem like we've got bigger problems to to deal with i'm driving a prius i'm driving a prius (laughs) my my shit's electric electric, yeah Yeah. and it's the government too right because the government is protecting these giant companies that are that are because these 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 people are getting them into office exactly lobbyists and all of that and what are they doing they're turning it on to us and saying hey how come you're not you're not recycling or how come you're not exactly recycle reuse reduce, whatever all that stuff and like when you realize it, when I first found out, like I would read an article and I would see like the percentage that like BP contributes compared to the rest of the world or c- the percentage that yeah. like this industry contributes compared to like an individual. Like when yeah. they do those diagrams, I would be like, bro, oh, that's a headache. Cause it's like the, 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 the conversation is so built around what can you do as an individual? How can you like, that's why we got these stupid ass paper straws that break and that fall apart when you when you use them. You all. guys all have plastic straws. I don't know what you talking about. Yeah, it's changed. It in was like UK, it was an era. It was an era. In the UK, everything is paper. Yeah, everything is paper. So we cool. had it for like the thing about it's Americans. Actually, very inaccessible as well. The thing about Americans though, Anaka, like we we love our like comfortability and like a oh, lot yeah, of yeah, a lot yeah. of American folks. I'm not gonna that. lie. They, I've noticed. That. Yeah, they're like, bro, the environment. I don't give a fuck about the environment. I want my paper, my plastic straws. <laughs> like they're very like well, life is just straightforward. Yeah, so they tried it. They tried it for like. Like if it was like a good six months where every restaurant you went to, you had paper straw and people had enough. Like I'm talking about people were upset. <laughs> they were upset. Starbucks especially. Starbucks especially. I was yeah, like, Yeah, oh. you guys are very um, set in your ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah we yeah, are. Definitely. And at times it can be good, but at most of the time, 90% of the time it's not because um, things like that happen. But then the conversation should definitely shift. Yeah, to, and it's, it it's, needs to. It's the same. It's really cool because all of it is the same concept that like, when you look at all of these different people, like the story that you had where these poor underprivileged white folks are hating you, who's also a poor underprivileged black person, the idea of race was coined and used to pit people against each other so that a higher economic status benefits from a lower economic status. You know what I mean? The gameplay has always been the same. Yeah, the formula is the same, yeah. divide and conquer again, divide and conquer again, divide and conquer again. And it's even within, like you see Somali communities that become divided within themselves, right? And so like even even here in Minnesota where you have like probably the most successful Somalis Mm -hmm. in like in in, in politics, right? Like political spaces, Mm -hmm. like I think yeah, Somalis have oh, gotten the furthest here. Yeah. Like, you have a Somali Congress, you have Somalis councillors, mm-hmm. you have Somali, you have Somalis in, Everything, like, yeah. in different in different levels of, of 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 powers, right? Where we don't have that in the UK. We yeah. don't, we've never had a Somali MP, right? 
So when you see that, but then you see actually like the divisiveness that happens here, mm-hmm. right? The the amount of like this person versus that person, da 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 da, da. and I'm like. Yeah, it's because like they're being pitted against each other. Yeah. Because now like they're they're they've succeeded into the system mm-hmm. and now they've gotta make sure that they work for the system or like the system will work against them. Oh, okay. You know? And the best way to the best way to beat that is doing stuff like having the rainbow coalition that they had where you you put aside these differences that have been assigned to you and you look at where am I right now, where do I wanna be and who do who do I align with? Like the layman all of us down here, mm. we all on the same team. Whether yeah, we exactly. whether we like it or not. And yeah. the faster we learn that the faster we but figure that's exactly that out. It. You gotta like take a step back and like look at the bigger picture. A hundred percent. Like and I also think that the um like what I think one thing that we sometimes forget subhanAllah, especially after like maybe like a little bit of success hits us or like mm-hmm. we're celebrated for like the work that we're doing is that you forget why you do it in the first place, yeah. right? And like, and if you are doing like whatever you're doing for for, for praise or success, then you don't, you, don't, you don't have the right intention, right? Um, and so what happens is like people kind of like almost get gaslit into yeah. like into these into these spaces and then and then everyone else becomes the enemy mm-hmm. you know it's like this mentality of like this person's against me these people want me to fail da, 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 rather than actually just taking advice mm-hmm. right like taking like being like very critical about like where you are why you're doing it like what you know are you doing the right thing should you be stepping away from this and like and that's why like, like, when egos get involved like it's really difficult to navigate oh, yeah. like all of us all of us have been in positions like where like we feel like, okay, we're, we're, we're great. We're doing incredible mm-hmm. stuff. And so anyone that comes to criticize you, even if it's a good criticism, be like, oh, yo, Zim Zim, like, I feel like, I feel like you, this work is a, represent, a good representation of Islam, right? You're a Muslim woman, don't do this, right? Instead of thinking like the best of that, that intention, that advice, or being mm-hmm. like, you know what, this, this brother might genuinely be thinking like Zim Zim like, advi- has advising me mm-hmm. and like trying to steer me away from something bad. Me thinking like, oh, they, just, they want me to fail. Yeah, you know they're ha- I mean? they hating. They're hating. They're hating on they're me. Hating on me. <laughs> it's just a matter of tone, right? Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, I think it's a matter of a tone, but it's also, I think it's like- um, Being receptive a receptiveness. Yeah, yeah right? taking it's, things with a grain of salt, yeah. Be, especially mm-hmm. when you get, when you got to get vegan, it's difficult, it's difficult. Even, yeah. even I've been in positions where I've been like, yeah, they're hating. Yeah. And then like, and then a week later I thought, nah, you know what? That was some good advice. That was, that was some good, good advice. And then I think this is why you have to really surround yourself with like people that have the best intention for you. Oh yeah. 100%. Definitely surround you with this best intention. Yeah. And like consistently like, yeah, you got to ground yourself with like- 100%. Those, those spaces are very difficult to navigate. Absolutely. So earlier you told us a little bit about how when you got into um, like not advocacy work, but this definitely this realm and this industry of like, environmentalism you kind of came in in the sense that like you were like we got bigger problems to deal with i don't want to deal with this right um what has what has and i don't know of course if you do work with a lot of somali folks or a lot of somali communities in that capacity what has the 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 like the response been when you say when you say something like we need to take care of the environment or like literally the earth is burning or Mm -hmm. this or that like are people receptive to it, especially our own people? Like, is that is that something that they're willing to want, like, to, to understand? Because yeah. I feel like there is a very big dynamic too between Dutka or diaspora, how they're affected by the environment, and people in Somalia are affected by affected by the environment yeah. way more, like inside within Somalia in terms of like how the environment is changing the landscape and how arable the land is and the rainy season and a bunch of other stuff. So, what has that experience been like? Well, that's a big question, I'll be honest. Um, (laughs) We ask big questions here. (laughs) Yeah, you ask some good questions, mashallah. You know what, the interesting thing is, um, the one thing I like to remind 
people especially like when i'm well when i um because i think I, I speak in different settings right mm-hmm, so sometimes like i, I might be at a conference where like there's a bunch of adan people mm-hmm. and they're all like environmental organizations mm-hmm. things i'm going to say is going to be very different from like when yeah. i'm talking to our own community oh, right yeah, yeah. or like i'm talking to a room full of muslims um so you always i think everything is always about like like well, messaging yeah. you know, about how you tell that story to that person so it's impactful and, and, it, and it reaches that community um but like in general rooms, I think one of the things I like to remind myself of as well is that like, um, is like the mass droughts that happened in Somalia, mm-hmm. right? And how quarter of a million people died, nobody battered the island, wow. right? In the droughts of Somalia. A quarter right? of a million people. Yeah. SubhanAllah. And, and also the, and like, so when we talk about like, especially because the West is responsible for those deaths, mm-hmm. right? They're directly responsible for those deaths. Like the, the, the droughts are directly caused by impacts by, by impact from the emission, mm-hmm. right? And so, like, everything is connected. Like, when we're in, like, the Western world talks about environmentalism from the lens of, like, oh, we've got 10 years before things start going left. Like, That's no, 10 things, years for them. Yeah, yeah things uh, have been going left. Started. People have, like, thousands and th- millions and millions of black and brown bodies have died. Can I ask real quick, then, how direct is the correlation between Western emissions and droughts and floods and, and, and like deaths that's happening in third world countries um, around the world. I mean, the, so when it comes to like, um, when it comes to like droughts, when it comes to, um, when it comes to like floods, when it comes, like those are, there are direct impacts, like wow. sea level rise, right? When weather changes, those are direct impacts, yeah. right? But when it comes to like tsunamis and like anything to do with tectonic plates, there's still like science on like- Of course. Ex- on whether it directly impacts it. Yeah. But I think, which brings me back to the point that you asked is, is that like, um, A, as Muslims, right? We w- we've been told in the Quran that like, we have a sense of amana. Yes, that's, that's right? huge, yeah. And therefore we need to take care of it. Yeah. Um, but also Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about everything in balance, mm-hmm. right? And so, like I was saying earlier, actually, is that like everything in this in this world has been created as a as in balance, mm-hmm. right? And therefore, we as humans might make it out of balance, but like it would exist without us, yeah. and it would rebalance itself, right? And so, when we are exploiting, like when, we, when if you continue to take from something, mm-hmm. right, at a rate that it can't produce it, right, then it's going to then start to suffer, right? So, and that's exactly what we're doing. Like we're we're taking from the earth at a, at a rate where it can't recover. Mm. consistently right and if you look at the rate we're taking from the earth like four or five times faster than we have in like any any era so we're we're, we're in a place where like actually we're just bleeding like yeah. our food source our very like our livelihood completely dry wow. so of course we're going to get into a situation yeah. where like well, well the world is not going to be able to sustain itself in that way but then what will happen is um Capitalism will take will, will will swoop in, yeah. And some people will be able to survive because they'll be able to to buy things and maintain and yeah, buy those resources, yeah. and the rest will be the last on the pecking line. Wow. And, and you know what I mean. And so this that, that's what there's like a cycle of like how how we how we speak about this. But when I when I talk about environmentalism, I talk about it from the sense of especially to our own community. I talk about it from the sense of like our responsibility to the planet. Mm. I talk about it from how it impacts us and why it should make us angry. Um, but I also like one of the things I don't like to do is place um, responsibility on somebody. Oh yeah, right. Like I don't think there's a responsibility on a young black kid 
from like Manchester mm-hmm. to go and like fight for the climate crisis, right? Yeah. But it's their responsibility to know that how it impacts them, mm-hmm. right? It's, the, it's then their responsibility to know that like how how to do something if they want to do something, right? I think one of the things that like I'm very passionate about is equipping, equipping people with tools to be able to do to make change, to do things, Absolutely. right? Because one of the things that pissed me off growing up is that like, I was angry about a lot of things, right? And I didn't know how to how to make those changes. Yeah. And even when I got into positions to be able to make those changes, I still didn't wasn't politically savvy enough mm-hmm. to navigate it, right? And like that really closes, like there's doors that are right in front of you that you genuinely can't reach because you just don't know how to get there. And it's, it's annoying, yeah. right? And it's yeah. frustrating and it's designed in a way to exclude you right and so like i wanted to make sure that like i i'm not gatekeeping i want to be able to like teach people or tell stories in ways that like just just, like if you if you care about this then this is how you do it this is this is the door like my network's your network like how can i support you in that in 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 getting there but like there's no responsibility Mm. right the power is in in knowing like the power is in having the knowledge right and understanding that like actually um there was a there was a there was a death in london um of a little girl um, because of the air quality in her area, Ella Kisadebra was the first ever um, death related to bad air quality. Wow. And so, and it's like kids should know their story. They should know that Ella died because of bad air quality. They should be aware of it. They should be. They should learn about these things mm-hmm. in school. And like, and that's what I mean. Like, you have to equip people with knowledge to be, then be able to want to make change. Mm. You can't make somebody want to make change if they don't understand how it impacts them in the yeah, first place. Yeah. Or that they don't understand the urgency that, that yeah. it has, or like you said right now, how it affects them on a, on a day to day too. I think that's a very important thing. Um, to go back to one thing that you did say, we do, well, I, first of all, like I appreciate the, the work that you do. Like now I feel like I'm getting more of a grasp of like like how impactful and even more important that it, it, that it is. Um, but also the fact that you hate gatekeeping. We hate gatekeepers on the show. Like we say that over and over again. We just, we don't like it because it's it's not necessary, right? And I think it's very beautiful and powerful that like you're passionate about equipping other people to do the things that they want to do, right? I yeah. think that's that's an amazing thing. Um, so big shout out to you. We love thank giving you, people you. their flowers on the show. And <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, that's amazing. Well, I, I've, yeah. that's going to be, that's amazing. Um, do you know what I always, oh, I always think though is that like, um, people at Gatekeep think they made it by themselves and they got there by themselves but like none of us like regardless yeah. of how hard we've worked have done anything by ourselves like yeah. there was there was so much sacrifice that came before us even before our parents like there mm-hmm. were people that like opened doors for you that you will never meet that you will never know and you need to like humble yourself yeah. and like, know that you ain't shit <laughs> you yeah know? we're all just we're all just trying to get by yeah, we're just trying to get by you know yeah. like subhanAllah if you can like open doors for another person or like you know make somebody's work easier because of what you've done then you should be proud of yourself you should mm-hmm. say alhamdulillah like at least i've done that you know yeah that in itself is a is a, is a big blessing yeah um definitely. so I, again i'm just piecing together things and then you can you could because we don't really know each other that well nah. um <laughs> but your work with the un and yes. being a un advocate and a un advisor how did that happen what is that like what's that experience like like i feel like um the UN is, is made to be this big, scary kind of thing. Um, but also a lot of people have some negative things to say about the UN because they're like, they don't really do anything. Um, 
but alhamdulillah like a lot of Somali, especially Somali folks can attest to like the UN helping out a lot too and and and, and supporting um at least in our capacity so first of all like what was yeah what was that experience like how did that even happen like how did that go down and how do you na- navigate that as well if you could touch on that so, please um I think I think maybe I should give context because yes, I founded be, be an organization, too. well, I co-founded an organization called SOS UK. Okay. It's called Students Organized Sustainability, and SOS UK is has an international branch, SOS International, and SOS UK, and it's through the work of SOS UK that like we started working with the UN program. So. And that's that's Nestro, based in the UK. The UNEP is based in the UK, mm-hmm. um, but the SOS International is based in. Actually, the office is now moving to. Um, to Ghana, but like wow. it's an international base. So like we work with student unions across the country, basically the world. Wow. Um, so SOS, SOS is kind of like actually what opened those doors for me. Um, so like early when I was saying that, like I had to work with this sustainability team, mm-hmm. being careful, that sustainability team ended up becoming a, an organization. Okay. Like by itself, it moved out of like NUS and it became its own entity. Um, and one of the things I, I should give them credit for is that like when I came with criticism and I was like, none of the work that you are doing is, uh, is representative of like my experiences mm-hmm. and the way I see the climate crisis. They were like, okay, cool. Like, how do we, how do we change it? Like, what do we, what do we do differently? Um, and that then turned into just becoming a completely separate organization and doing more impactful work um, and do more challenging and more radical work. We founded a campaign called, um, um, the Climate Education Bill, Teach Your Future, where like it was the first education bill that went through Parliament written by young people. Like students wow. wrote, that, wrote that bill. Like the youngest person was eight. Wow. So like it was cool. It was like we, we did that's some amazing. really cool radical work. Um, and yeah, so that's how I kind of like got into like all this all this different um, policy. And then I started to see that like policy change is really where it's at. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it's like through like storytelling, whether it's through like building a campaign, whether it's through creating movements like policy change is really what we need to be focusing at like that's where change comes about because it's written into law mm-hmm. and it has to happen right um and so th- yeah that's kind of when I, when I got involved in like policy change and policy work um and then just started working with like UN program on different things whether it was um education policy um whether it was like climate education specifically um and then recently I was selected as a as an advisor on the Green Jobs Pact, which, which came out of like the, the so the, there's a COP conference um, and it's like the conference of the parties and it happens like annually actually around the world. The next one's happening in Dubai where they discuss like climate policy mm-hmm. um, and like h- how they move towards like the goals that they've set themselves and da, 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 da. And it's like all the countries come together and they negotiate and they agree things and they allocate money, large, large. like there's like a whole thing. That conference happens yearly and they just, they make decisions. And one of the things they decided in the last COP, um, and they launched the last COP was that they were going to do a, uh, create a, a billion jobs, like green jobs for young people. Okay. And I'm the advi- I'm an advisor on that, on that particular project as well. So a billion jobs worldwide? Yeah. Okay. It's not a lot. Yeah, it's not. It's not a lot, but it's a, it's a part, it's supposed to be about a, a part of like a wider program. But I think the whole, the whole concept behind it, which is interesting, which I'm, which, I'm, which I'm finding intriguing because obviously my interest is in like, training and upskilling people because mm-hmm. that's how you that's how you um develop an economy right yeah. like training upskill continuously um like next yeah exactly yeah. so like and even 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 the thing is right like most people go to um study and like whatever they studied is kind of like out of tune it's it's gonna be non-existent a year, couple of years later like we're we're moving in a world where like 
the job market is changing so quickly. Yeah. Like it's not, I don't think it's changed at this pace ever before. Mm-hmm. So like you have to be able to keep up, right? Especially but, with technology. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. But like the thing is, right? And and like, so we're, do, we're doing like the creation of green jobs, but like a lot of tech jobs are green jobs, Yeah. right? Like a green job is a, a job that like does, doesn't take away from the planet. Yeah, okay. You know, so when you said it. green jobs, I was thinking about like wind farms and yeah, solar panels. That's what everyone thinks. Everyone's yeah. like, yeah, yeah. Everyone thinks it's like an actual green job. It's like an environmental job. Yeah. It's not necessarily. I mean, I think a massive focus on what, what I want to um, do is like looking at like how you change um, qualifications and degrees from like, I don't know, like working at, at an oil rig, mm-hmm. right? To working at like a-, a Okay, a, a that's for, really right? smart, yeah. I think that's, that's that, those are the traditions we're gonna need. And that's advantageous to, to those people that have those skills because yeah. how much longer are we going to be using oil? It's running out already and it's yeah. just not efficient. So if we can, that's really good. If we can find ways to like shift these people that have these engineering degrees yeah, exactly. and train them into doing this other stuff, that'd be really cool. Yeah, that'd be really So um, yeah, you were talking about just kind of, um, you know, creating green jobs, of yeah. course, with uh, that, um, you said it's um, that kind of, Folks come together from all over the world, different representatives. That's what I got so far. And they kind of help create green jobs. And you were kind of getting to how how that led you to um, working with the UN and, and kind of creating that that context and that storyline as well for us. So you could just start from wherever. I'll summate pretty well. Wherever, yeah. Yeah, yeah you, you, you basically summated it. I, I, was, I was listening. That's, <laughs> active listening is very important when you're interviewing people. You can't doze off. <laughs> nah, you did good. You did good. Um, but yeah, no, that's how I, I got involved with working with the UN. It was never, it was never like an intentional like work. Yeah. Work. Like UN is like one of the bodies we work with, mm-hmm. right? We work with like other organizations all around the world. Um, and so, yeah, it was just, to me, it was just, it was just another body. I've never seen it as like, oh, I yeah. work for the UN. Yeah. I, with, I don't work for the UN, I'm, I, work I work with the with UN. The UN. And I'm more of a consultant than anything. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't think I don't know if I would ever work for the UN mm-hmm. because of like some of the things that you mentioned earlier. Yeah. Like there are yeah. a few problematic things in there. Um, I think bureaucracy is is like is at the detriment of like just the regular people because shit just takes so long, yeah, and does, like they do, you gotta sit through like a whole a bunch huge of like huge machine yeah litigation and uh, just to change one word like they gotta go back yeah and, I know which yeah. I guess it's the systems are there for the right reasons to make sure but, but you know what it's interesting because I remember like my first ever um, COP conference right and then like they would like there'd be a one word change and mm-hmm. they would do that. They would have to go back to lawyers yep. in each country. And like, and it's because like a word can change the meaning of a sentence yeah. in a different language when it's translated, right? Yeah, yeah. And so- Oh shit, yeah. okay. That's even crazier. That's that. That's what blew my mind. I was like, damn. So like in Arabic, it could be different than it's it is really in, in Mandarin. And, yeah, it's, and so then now- they have to go back and like they have to make sure that like they, like what they're agreeing makes sense in all languages, hmm. right? And it's like, and it, you know, like it has the same value, the same, right? And then also on top of that, there's like the political negotiations of like, do I want this sentence yeah. in the framework that I'm going to agree to? Yeah. So like, there's like, there's just continuous back and forth. It was, uh, it was reminding me of a show, uh, the an episode on Family Guy. Mm-hmm. Where <laughs> this guy loves Family Guy. Nah, do you guys watch Family Guy? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Where, uh, I don't know anything about Yeah, where they were like, uh, there, the Second Amendment was like you have the right to bear arms. Bear arms, and they thought they were actually talking about bear arms, <laughs> like claws and you everything. To, you have the right to have a pair of bear arms in your, in your, in your house. In your sounds, house. sounds about right. They're probably making fun of that, like yeah, specific, yeah. language. And yeah, you guys are very big about your Second Amendment here. Oh yeah. Second Amendment. Second Amendment. Mm-hmm. 
Literally, somebody was like to me, like, I can't believe the United Kingdom lets uh, the people walk around without protecting themselves. I said, even our police aren't protected. <laughs> well, it's very interesting how you guys can, like, do the American accent, like, like that. And then when I try to do the British accent, I sound like but you know what it is Thomas the Train. With with like, like, everything is... Yeah, like American is American um, the standard. culture, which I guess African American culture is it like is, the mainstream culture. It is, right? so all of us can do it because we've grown up with it, we've watched it. That is like one of the craziest concepts and ideas, like in world history. The idea that African American culture, back to capitalism, African American culture and like Black culture in America was 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 amazing mm. and then the u.s said oh we like that we're gonna take that capitalize on it capitalize on it not give you shit Absolutely. and then now this is the standard for the rest of the world yeah it's crazy isn't that insane, insane. the entire world like when we were in spain what's up bro what's up bro like the dev yeah. hey you listen tupac tupac the little kids and yeah. i'm like yo these little kids they're like so you basketball, basketball they're like the american culture which it's essentially is the black american it's culture black america, yeah. and then black american make me all music any music yeah goes back to black america like it's actually it's insane rock what, and like, roll jazz black history yeah. hip-hop black history all of it is this honestly black um, Americans have like had so much extracted from them. Mm. It's one of them is like I guess one of the most resilient stories. It's a modern day miracle. It's quite yeah. literally. I was at so there's an African American masjid, um, literally down the street, oh, masjid nice. masjid nur, right? Okay. And one of the Friday lectures, um, the imam he was talking about it was it was the day before Juneteenth or two days before Juneteenth. So he was talking about how, like the idea that and um. Mustafa Briggs also talks about this too. I think he's from the UK, he's right? The UK, yeah. He talks about the idea that like a lot of people say, oh, there's not like any modern day that miracles, right? But the idea that a slave was taken, a Muslim slave was taken from Africa and brought to America and stripped of his name, his culture, everything. And there's evidence, there's history of like, they would write the dua that Ibrahim alayhi yeah. salam said, which is, oh Allah, grant me lineage and like, and my lineage being Muslims and a mm. good lineage, they would have that. They would write that in pieces of paper and like, well, are, they would find, story. yeah, they would, there's evidence and they would yeah. find that and they'd be like, oh, these slaves, I guess, spoke Arabic or they wrote in Arabic or whatever. But like, then the idea that those same folks are the same folks that hundreds, not even like thousands of years later, 100, 200 years later, there's Malcolm X. 100, 200 years later, there's this huge Islamic revolution yeah. and all these people are coming back to their faith and becoming Muslim. Yeah. But those same people are the people that literally wrote the script yeah. for what culture is around the world. Absolutely. That is, that's just, there's nothing more cold-blooded than that. Like for them to be, we're talking about millions of people yeah. kidnapped and stripped then from stripped from everything. And yeah. then they're like, you know what? I'm going to get it out the mud. And they did. It's insane. And then it's capitalism. It really is. It's cold. Honestly, it's cold blood or a lie. American history is like, um, it's like I geek out on that stuff. Like I, I can't wait to like just travel around and like go to historical sites. And like, what? that's been like one of my things that I've been wanting to do for years. In Chicago, they have a museum. They have a, a African-American. Yeah, so uh, honest. <laughs> so honest. I'm going to Chicago, guys. <laughs> the African-American History Museum? Yeah. Go there. Yeah, it's yeah, insane. Yeah. Like we're talking about like they have there's, there's a lot of there's a lot of African um history museums in Chicago. I saw like three, four yeah. specific one that has like a, like the old artifact. Yeah, and it has the yeah. door. Um what's his name? Um is it Fred Hampton? 
or the the movie Judas and the Black Messiah, the guy that the, that movie is about. I think it's Fred Hampton. It's one of them. He's from Chicago. Black Panther Party. Mm. Um, they killed him. Former Black Panther. Former Black Panther. The, yeah. the I I could be wrong on his name, but they they literally they killed him. And the door that they, the police shot through, the, the shotgun sh pellets and everything that killed him, it's, they have it there. Like, you can see it. It's That's insane. Crazy. It's insane. That's crazy. But they're, they're like, just their culture and their story is, is amazing. And yeah. how connected, like, African Muslims are to that story. Yeah. Is, is even is even more insane and Mustafa Briggs he talks about that a lot and yeah, he talks about that a lot he's really good at like articulating that too and it yeah. blew my mind because Aniga when I came to the Americas we're constantly told oh you're different oh you you have no heritage here you have nothing to do with you but then when you learn about the fact that oh I'm a black Muslim like an African Muslim and yeah, my mean, folks was here so the UK interestingly there's a, there's a level of erasure yeah. of black Muslim communities in the UK because um the population is mostly Asians. Okay. Right? So Asian Muslims and then you have Arab Muslims. Yeah. Right? And that's the standard of Muslims. I remember when I first moved to the UK, nobody thought I was Muslim. I wasn't wearing the hijab. I had like my I was a little curly haired girl, right? Yeah. And so they nobody would attain me to be Muslim. And then, yeah. and then when I decided to wear the hijab, they'd be like, When did you become Pakistani? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Wow. Because like that's how they understood mm. Muslims were like these were the most these were Muslims, like we were seen as just black kids. Yeah. Right? Or wow. we were seen as reverse. Like there was like um so it it's and I mean now it's completely different because there's so many Somalis yeah. in the UK. Like in back then That was, was just, the standard. It was, yeah, it wasn't the standard. And so but over time there's just been like when we talk about Muslim communities, like there's we're talking about Asian communities, we're talking mm -hmm. about Arabs. So Mustafa Briggs does a lot of work around like yeah. oh, he's amazing. of black Muslims yeah. within communities and like and like reclaiming our history because I'm sick and tired of being like brother or sister we're not mm. racist you know what about Bilal please yeah if you're Bilal that's his <laughs> book there. his book is Beyond Bilal it's called Beyond Bilal and it's know, and that's where it came from yeah it's the most my, if anybody wants to read it read literally read the first three chapters Not you don't even need to read the whole book the first three chapters of that book he goes through all of the companions of the prophet that are people of color yeah. and it will blow your mind. You'll be like, huh? Yeah. And that, it I, like I said, it changes even your perspective, which is like your perspective being, oh, my, me being Muslim, like you kind of feel like I'm not Arab, I'm not Asian, so like I have nothing to do with no, it. We gotta be proud of our history. Which is like the complete opposite. The first home of Islam was East Africa, it's Ethiopia, the first place yeah. where Muslims practiced Islam freely Sham? No, Asham is, is, is Persia, is, is Syria oh. and Persia, but the first place that Islam was practiced freely, where Muslims were welcomed, yeah, was, was by Najashi and in Ethiopia. That's where the messages were built and all of that. And the idea that the, the mother of Ismail, who the lineage of, of Muhammad السلام, comes from, is an African woman. Hajar is an African woman um, um, from that same kind of area to Sudan, mm -hmm. if I'm not, South yeah. Sudan, Sudan area, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and the, the idea that the reason why people do, people go back, because we did Umrah, the reason that we go back and forth from Safim is because of a black woman. So like the idea that yeah. people can then look at you as a black Muslim woman and say, you're not Islam. And then the at the same time, go to Hajj and do the same thing Hajj was doing. It just doesn't, 
it doesn't make any sense. So, and everything, all of that is purposeful, right? Yeah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did that on purpose to bring us together, to show us that every aspect and every group around the world has something to do with this beautiful faith. Yeah, so absolutely. we could talk about that for, for hours yeah, and for true, days. True, it's so amazing you, you though. Yeah. <laughs> <But> <laughs> Maybe, yeah, hey, shout like, out to him. Contextually, it's funny because um, I, I always think like the, the Bilal anecdote is equivalent to like, I have a white friend. Yeah, like, it is. It is. Avert, like just it racism. Is. Yeah, yeah so it very much is. A hundred percent. Um, so we, we have a segment on the show called Let's Get Practical where um, we try to give folks who are listening in on your episode a practical way in which they can do what you do. Um, and like you said already, it's amazing because every single person that we have on, they hate gatekeepers just as much as we do. You know what I mean? So we don't even have to explain that. But um, if somebody is watching, if a kid is watching and they want to do advocacy work in any capacity, um, um, what steps can what what are some practical steps that they can take um, to do that inshallah um, so I, I, I think I think to demystify like the work um, find something you care about mm -hmm. like, and and often like when you care about something something that like really pisses you off like, can I swear in this podcast? oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. oh yeah <laughs> he's like yeah <laughs> he's like let's do it <laughs> but like honestly find something that makes because you guys don't say pisses you off every time I've said pisses you off around my cousins all of them bust out laughing they're like say that again but like some, something that like makes you angry yeah, right yeah. like and then think about how you how you like to see it differently mm -hmm. right um because i think people sometimes think like i i didn't get involved in this work through like a, a process i didn't go to university for it i didn't i didn't like take a job for it like it was just stuff that i was angry about mm -hmm. and i was like okay well, how would i like to see it differently yeah. and then thinking thinking about how can i make a difference in that space absolutely and it's just doing it like um i think a and like maybe parents that are watching this or like young people that are watching this like um it's like how can you educate your own community about like what makes you angry like mm -hmm. the people around you start small like talk talk to your friends about something right and then talk to your family make small changes like volunteer at like youth groups that are doing that work i think often when we don't we realize is that like um there are like probably hundreds of people around you in mm -hmm. your close vicinity that care about the same thing that you care about. Absolutely. Right? That are angry about the same things that you are angry about because they live the same lives as you, mm -hmm. right? Um, and so like, we need to like kind of step out from this like mentality of like, we're going through this alone and like realize that actually we're all going through similar experiences and yeah. we all have things that we're angry about. And actually everybody's waiting for somebody else to step forward and do something, Absolutely. right? And then one of the things I'm always, 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 every single time, it's like it's like it's the first time, right? Is I like I'll I'll start a campaign or I'll I'll um I'll I'll, I'll call I'll do a, a call out for something, and like hundreds of people just be like, yes, I want to. Uh, this has been pissing me off too. Like, yeah. how do we get behind this? How do we support you? Yeah. And it's just like it comes out of nowhere, subhanallah, mm -hmm. right? And I, and and that's the thing, like it's just taking action. It's like doing something and stepping up. Um, this is the same thing we see on like social media on whenever there's something happening in the community of when one people that are supporting us your, your own community mm. themselves. So, yeah, what I'm Yeah. A community comes out. Like when yeah. we when you they, tell when they when show you, up, they show they out. Show out. Yes. They do. They definitely do. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a thing of like um like how do we tell stories in ways that like people understand? Mm. And like, cause, cause the reality is, yeah, when when our community comes out, it's because we've told the story from yeah. our perspective, right? I, lo I love yes. that though, cause that's yeah. definitely the sunnah too. Meeting people where they are, right? Explaining things to them, how they understand Concept. it, yeah. and uh, I'm not gonna lie, 
especially here in the states a lot of the advocacy work is like a lot of like i'm gonna shove this down your your throat and you have to understand me because what i'm saying is right and like we get that what you're saying is right but like it's also important to be gentle to meet people halfway um to 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 help people understand because nine times out of ten everybody relates to what you're saying they just don't know how they relate to it you know what i mean yeah and i think this is the thing though like like regardless, the decision is gonna get made. Mm-hmm. Policy is gonna get written. Things are gonna get passed, and it's gonna happen with or without you on the table. Absolutely, right. Yeah. And I think it's, but like we have like power in numbers, mm-hmm. right? And so where legislators are trying to pass things through, if nobody's making noise, they're gonna be able to pass it through easily. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So if something's gonna impact you adversely, then make do something about it. Absolutely. And I think I think one of the things that like systems are set up to do is to take away agency from us to Mm. make us feel like we don't have power but actually we are probably the most powerful people in the room especially when we have numbers on our sides like if i can if i can mobilize hundreds and and social media does that so easily now so quickly just jump on internet and be like it's happening here come through come through everyone's like i'm outside they're all rolling through yeah and this is the thing like we have the ability to do that right and we have the ability to do that because like they've heard it from somebody that they they can relate to that they understand it's like i know your lived experiences they're like similar to mine and so if you're saying this is important and we can change something i'm right behind you there's a level of trust exactly yeah Um, and i think that's how you make change that's how you bring people together okay i like that so i i I, from what i'm hearing if i want to start doing this advocacy work i think um the first thing is definitely like start small like Mm. look at the conversations that you that you want to have before that actually you said find something that pisses you off right yeah. find something that you're passionate about that I'm you're like i gotta change something about this and and i like that you de- demystified the work that it's not this big rocket science work yeah. it's it start small start with educating and then and then advocating and and find your way through these things and i think another thing that's very important to the work that you do is networking and building yeah. these connections that that you have um Definitely. so that you can be able to do yeah. the work that you do people power yeah it's the most it's, it's the most powerful thing absolutely yeah. And then, like, I am as powerful as the people around me and the mm. people that support me and the people that encourage me and the, you know what I mean? Like, you step into, I, like, I have not been able to pass policies or, like, even be in, step into rooms because of, like, ZumZum's incredible work. Like, yeah. ZumZum's done nobody. ZumZum's done nothing significant, right? Yeah. But it's because ZumZum has had support, right? And has been able to speak for and speak on stories that are bigger than myself, Absolutely, right? Yeah. And that's what makes the work that I'm doing significant. It's nothing to do with me, right? Mm-hmm. And so... Um, I think networking is incredibly important, but it's not even, it's not even a network. It's, I think it's seeing it as like a community, like relationship, relationship building yeah. is, yeah, yeah. It's like seeing, like the thing is the, the way, um, and, I, and I'm a trainer, so I, I train people on like cam- how to build a campaign, how to like set up like, camp- you know, movements and mm. et cetera, et cetera. And like, one thing I like to remind people is that like movements are, um, there is no hierarchies within movements. Yeah. Right? Nobody's, nobody con- is a control of a movement. A movement comes together when people who are like-minded or are pissed off about the same thing, mm-hmm. right, want to make change towards that. And what makes it a movement is that they have like a collective like vision of what they're going to do, right? But the it, it moves and it shifts and it changes in terms of like what it's looked like or what it's going to achieve. But um, there is no individual like there's no I in, in movement. You can't have a movement with I. That's how mm. movements apart right? absolutely that's yeah. how movements die that's how you get assassinated 
Because if there's a singular, that too, if there's a singular person that's oh, running yeah, a movement, you get, you all target. they have to do is take out that you singular person and, absolutely, and, absolutely, and the whole movement is done. But yeah. Yeah, I mean, this, this is... Let's this. Them okay? ah, I'm okay, Malcolm X. There's a list. There's a very long list yeah. of, of, of that. Yeah. yeah, there's a long list. There's a long yeah. list of people being targeted. Our movement's been taken down. Of course. Our movement's being corrupted. I yeah. mean, Black Lives Matter, our movement yeah. here. Um, like, the targeting, the... This is... It's, it's, I mean, even in the UK, the Black Lives Matter um, organisation, like, they don't have any of their information on the websites, online, smart. nothing. That's smart. Um, but even then, they've been able to, like, infiltrate and, like, yeah. target them and attack them. You know what I mean? So, yeah. it's difficult to do anything that, like, is of that significant without like infiltration mm -hmm. because the system's obviously you're against the system yeah the system's gonna take you down because it's 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 wealthier than you yeah it's more resource than you but like i think this is the thing like um you just pick back up and start again yeah continuously like that's that's i think that's what resilient movements are it's understanding that like we're gonna be infiltrated mm -hmm. we're gonna be broken down yeah we're gonna lose motivation we're gonna be burnt out we're gonna start again we're gonna yeah. move again and you just continue doing it and i think one of the great things about being a muslim as well in this space because it's exhausting and it, it defeats you sometimes right yeah is that like you're consistently like i'm doing this for the sake of last fan right yeah. so there's a selfish reason for myself as well like i i believe that like i'm doing something for the greater good mm -hmm. and i'm going to get rewards for the, at the afterlife so if i don't Absolutely. win here yeah. i'm gonna win in the afterlife, in the afterlife Do you know yeah. what I mean? so e each way like there's a selfish gain mm. for me anyways in the work Absolutely. that i'm doing yeah um, it's, all, it's all very based on your intentions yeah Absolutely, that's that's the hadith the hadith is strange as the affairs of a believer because when they're afflicted with hardship they say alhamdulillah because yes. they know they will get rewarded in the afterlife for being patient in that hardship and when they get yeah. something nice or something good they say alhamdulillah so yeah. it's a very different perspective um than than the neo-capitalist perspective of like yeah. everything has to go right for me right now i know and it's and so consumerism when you, and oh like when God. i organize and like i don't when you poured so much into something right um like I'll take like Shukri Abdi's campaign for example, yeah. right? And, like when the injury happened, it didn't go our way. Like it was genuinely heartbreaking. Mm -hmm. Like I was like broken, but like at the end of the day, like justice is with Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala, right? And, and and like I may not understand like why things played out in the way they did, or like what like but but I don't have any qualms with Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala because I don't have that wisdom or yeah. that understanding, right? And so it's difficult to navigate, subhanAllah, especially when you get drawn into these things in oh, these yeah. worlds. And it's, so it's, 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 but also I'm very grateful because like when you're involved in these spaces, it does consume a lot. It does really mm. like break you down. It does like, we grew up in a world where like, consistently as black people, we're told that like, we're less significant, we're, mm -hmm. we're less this, we're less that. Da -da 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 -da. We're consistently like beaten down. Yeah. So um, I need to be able to like have some, celebrate some wins to be able to keep going, right? Mm -hmm. And I don't think we do that enough actually as a community lie we don't and um what we do want to do though is celebrate you and and make sure that you know that's just that's what we do here on ghost talk and we appreciate yes. you and the work that you do and we definitely appreciate you coming on the show um we have a lot more to talk about Allah. i feel like we can go on for days yeah i know so much to talk about Allah. alhamdulillah you're a very interesting person and okay. the work that you do is amazing the advocacy the work that you do is amazing and it's very um, admirable as well that you implement so much of your faith and your culture into it. So, um, may Allah protect you and continue to, to help you and guide you in, in the endeavors that you have. Um, whenever anybody comes on the show, we tell them that you now you're a part of the Ghost Talk family. You know, nice. so like it's it's like you said when you're when you're trying to create a movement, it's it's not necessarily about connections; it's about relationships, right? Um, and the the origins of this podcast was a way for a group of cousins and family members to kind of hold each other accountable, right? Mm. And every every episode they say, okay, did you 
you do that thing you said you were going to do or did you improve on this thing that you wanted okay, to do okay. and it's it's a very beautiful and yeah. admirable thing because um that was back in the day that was the essence of community right we were all together we all loved on each other supported each other and yeah. um so before you go inshallah i wanted to i, w- I did wanted to uh, invite you back hopefully in a year's time oh. we'd love to have you and um you know here go the ghost talk family is here for you in any capacity of course and then um i wanted to know as well like where do you see yourself in a year's time where do you see yourself what do you want to do and um i want to also tell you that the answers for that has ranged from like very like monetary things like saying i want to have x amount of dollars in a year and some people have said i just want to be alive next year you know what i mean so it's important to to not push people to goals um Mm. just for the sake of like social media you know but we'd love to know that Uh, what do you want to where do you see yourself in a year's time what do you want to do inshallah you know i don't really set goals that's the thing Mm. i've never been a goals person i just kind of like you kind of live Kind of go with the I flow. I really go with the flow. Like I like to challenge myself. Okay. Um, and I like to do more, like something more radical than what I did last year. Like okay. Continuously, that's why. Um, that's wonderful. There actually is an organization that I'm planning on. I w- I've been wanting to set up for the longest, and maybe I will. Maybe Inshallah. next year will be the year that I do it. Inshallah. Um, but it's that I want to start working with more. Um, our community mm-hmm. specifically because mm-hmm. um, right now I do a lot of training mm-hmm. like for corporates for like NGOs um, and I feel like a lot of my work over the last decade has become like a little bit detached from grassroots communities mm-hmm. and I miss working with people like that look like me mm-hmm. that sound like me that have like my own lived experiences um, so yeah I think I want to do more grassroots work that's, mm-hmm. that's one thing I really want to do I want to set up an organisation um, I'm going to dream of mine for a little bit um, and it's just train young girls, like young Somali girls, on like getting into political spaces. Love that. Um, it's like a political, like uh, a a political academy as such, a political education that. academy. Um, that kind of teaches them how to navigate politics, how to how to build a campaign, how to like work within their local councils, how to become a youth MP. Um, just like kind of like just give them the the. The Give tools. them the tools that I was yeah. angry that I didn't have. Yeah, and I like what you said in the beginning as well. You wanted to be doing more radical things yeah. than you were doing the year before and just continuing that that's that's amazing that's yeah, dope that's always yeah Continue, like it's like oh okay how can we how can we now push the how can you push it further yeah yeah we love that we love that inshallah so hopefully inshallah we'll have you back in a year's time inshallah. and um you know we appreciate you thank you so much this was an amazing episode uh me and thunder did we learned a lot Definitely. We learned a lot. Like, I got to go debrief my brain and and write down notes. (laughs) (laughs) MashaAllah, you taught us a lot. Um, But thank you so much for coming on the show. I feel like I was just waffling. No, Wallah, you did amazing. You did amazing. (laughs) That's a word we learned too, waffling. That's a new word. (laughs) (laughs) It's not another new word. Yeah. (laughs) But there you have it, folks. That's a wrap. Um, Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Peace.